Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Indeed, there is, and welcome to Rescue Radio. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are God, that you are in control of all things, and that you would declare and do your will in this show tonight, even as it's being done and declared in heaven. Father, I ask that you would cause us to speak as the oracles of God, that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand what you are saying to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, through the interactions and the dialogues tonight, Father God, through the your uh, looking into your word. I bind the powers of darkness that would come against us, those that would come to bring confusion, disruption, distraction, that would separate us, that have held us captive for most of our lives without us even realizing it. Father, I ask that the light of your truth would make manifest the hidden works of darkness and that you would show us, Lord God, what those steps to freedom are, because you said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, because it is your truth that brings us to freedom. And I thank you, Jesus, that you gave us salvation. It is a free gift. It did not come through anything we've done, but because of your great, incredible mercy and love towards us, Father God. We bind the powers of darkness, the strong man, the familiar spirits, those who hold assignment over our lives, our souls, who have hindered the work of God and kept us from understanding the truth and the depth of what you're trying to, wanting to uh, say to us tonight. So I pray, Father God, in Jesus' name, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, no work of confusion, disruption, distraction, hindrance, delay, uh, no uh, word said, no deed done, no action taken against us will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. Father, I thank you that you cover us as you promised, that no weapon formed will, will prosper against us, cover us in our health, in our safety, in our traveling, our vehicles, our finances, our property, and the work of our hands. And Father God, I pray tonight that you'd encourage our hearts, that you'd bring us to freedom and victory through this time together. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. You know, Jesus is the wonderful counselor and the faithful witness. And if you read the little um, log line for our show tonight, we're talking about uh, looking into um, the footholds, understanding the footholds of darkness that are um, taking place, that are holding you hostage in your own life, in your personal life. And I think before we can really look at that, we have to realize there are two places where there's an incredible diabolical conspiracy and deception going on. Um, One of them is outside of us in the world around us, and um, that would be called outward apostasy. And then we have the inward internal deceptions that are holding a grip on our personal lives, our health, our relationships, our finances. And because it seems like a lot of attention of attention is given to the outward apostasy and the bad news here and the people doing this and that out there and the criminals and the crimes and the conspiracies, we get so busy with that, we stick our head in the sand and we don't really deal with what's really going on in our own lives. And so we're in the midst of a war. And you just need to write war on the top of your paper and realize that we're in war and this is going to be war until... Jesus Christ, our hero, comes back and defeats the enemy. He already entered this planet, this arena, once 
in his first coming and set up the kingdom of God. He set up the way of salvation. And at that point, when he rose from the dead, he actually defeated the powers of darkness. He secured for us, completed, finished everything that needs to be accomplished. However, it still needs to be appropriated in our lives. And so the gifts of healing, salvation, uh, the restoration of your brain, your mind, your heart, your relationships all come through the work of the cross, the, the power of the blood, and things that have been done over 2,000 years ago. However, there's a lot of what the devil does is he really tricks us into believing lies that keep us from enjoying the restoration, the rejoicing, and the peace of God. So we're in the midst of a very all-encompassing strategy of Satan, and in that strategy he is counterfeiting everything that is true. Everything that is true, truly true, really true, comes from God. But the things that Satan can't change any of those things. He, can't, he cannot remove those things. So all he can do is try to confuse our recognition of those truths and uh, mix them up among many lookalike counterfeits that bring us to confusion and confound us or to become doubtful, double-minded, and discouraged. Um, you know... What if, just think about this for a second, what if almost everything that you are ever taught to believe is, is a lie, is a lie, a purposeful deception designed by the father of lies to destroy you and your family? What if almost everything you've experienced in your life was a deliberate uh, reconditioning of your mind, your heart, your will, your soul, your, your, your thoughts, your intentions, your identity, to undermine you to believe uh, to, to misguide you, mislead you, to shut you down and destroy you. Are, you, are we willing to consider that as a possible option? You know, when I grew up in the church I grew up in, I was so, at 10 years old, 8 years old, whatever, I was so happy and so thankful that I had all the right things. I, had, I was the right, in the right country, uh, right church, right nationality, right color. I mean, you know, here I'm an eight-year-old. So how could I be so lucky as to have everything just right? I don't, I'm, I'm already in the truth. I already don't need to make any adjustments. I've got it right. Well, lo and behold, that lasted for about maximum of maybe 15, 16 years. And then I started to see some discrepancies between the way things really were and the way that I was told they really were. And um, so even though I had a lot of the right um, language in my life, I understood about God and Jesus coming and Bethlehem and the cross and, and uh, the resurrection. I, I was missing some really important words. I was missing words like salvation and grace and uh, finished uh, truth. Um, I was taught that most of anything I would ever want to do or get in my life would come through hard work and taking responsibility and so, therefore, I was very uh, diligent as a child to apply what I believed to be the truth to my spiritual life, to my, um, that was, and my every life, every part of my life. And so I was very diligent, uh, and yet I was very sincerely wrong. I was wrong about a lot of things. And if God in his mercy wouldn't have corrected me, I can't even imagine where I would be today. But I know I had to let go of some of the things that I believed and was taught to believe. And this is what, where it gets really personal. You know, a lot of us, we have our own personal experiences. 
And it is those very experiences that you call sacred because they're yours. You experienced them. You went through the pain. You bore the burden. You, you, you know, did the deed, whatever it was. Uh, you got the congratulation letter. You got the graduation uh, diploma, whatever it is. You, you earned the right to have these things be perfect, valuable, uh, and important in your life. And so we're very, very um, uh, resistant to giving up our experiences, and we actually elevate them, I believe to the place of being an idol in our life. Um, that your experiences become your God, your standard of truth, your guide. And with that, we go to a scripture that Jesus um, talks about in, uh, let's see, I think it's Matthew chapter 6. He's talking, you know, Jesus, if you pay attention to what he's saying, he's really talking a lot about this internal deception. He starts out in uh, Matthew 6, um, Well, we'll start with 19. Uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's talking about war. He's talking about thievery, lying, being ripped off. He's talking about being tricked. Um, And, you know, the whole world says, do gather wealth. Do get your... your, uh, 401k, do um, uh, retire well, do make money, um, save up, take care of yourself, uh, lay up treasures. They don't say lay up treasures in heaven. The world, for the, the world system right now is completely denying the existence of God or the validity of heaven or eternal life. As a matter of fact, they are trying to shortcut or circumvent um, any any attempts at eternal life through the scripture, through God, through salvation, by creating um, technological uh, advancements like singularity where a man becomes one with a machine or, or we have uh, advanced technologies that cause us to be able to uh, skip uh, the death process and live forever in our own um, you know, uh, mortal bodies as our own gods. And so, but Jesus is saying, don't get tricked. Don't put your focus, emphasis on things that aren't going to matter and aren't going to remain, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, some people say, well, heaven, yeah, what's heaven? What is that? You know, that's, that's your idea. That's, that's an opinion. We don't know for sure whether there's a heaven or not or a hell. You know, it's all, it's all contrived. It's all conjecture. There's no proof. Uh, and yet we, we work with the principles of not seeing things and experiencing things and and things being proven, and yet we accept them all the time. Um, and yet the spiritual things have been so, uh, uh, what's the word, debated, uh, brought under um, uh, brought under fire by the enemy who wants to dis- dissolve any kind of spiritual, eternal concepts, uh, immor- immoral- immortality. Uh, and so we just become, you know, like accidents, uh, primordial slime, slopping around here in the snake pit of life, uh, do what you want, do it as, as much as you want, have fun, and then you die. Or if you're one of the elite ones, maybe you can figure out how to arrange your body and swallow a computer so that you can live forever or something like that. So if you want to talk with me about these deep concepts as we get on and go on into them, you can call me, 347-215-8051. We welcome your call and your question or your comment. But going on, In Matthew chapter 6, he says, listen to this, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. Okay, so the body has an internal lamp, a lamp. 
It's the eye. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, we take in uh, a lot of information through our eyes. Our eyes give us understanding. They help us connect the dots. They give us revelation. We learn things through our eyes. We learn to, but if the things that you're learning through your eyes um, are incorrect, or or what if you put a a filter or a lens or a pair of um, religious glasses uh, or or a a filter of your own personal experiences in front of everything that you see. Now everything that you see is rewritten, reframed uh, through what you, through the the, the, the lenses that you're perceiving it with. So everything is altered, colored, contaminated. So God is saying, if your eye is good, it's good. Your whole body is going to be full of light or understanding or it's going to be healthy or clear. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. And even in the natural, if you're blind, your eyes don't work, you have cataracts, you're going to have a very difficult time seeing in the natural. And also it makes it much more difficult to perceive things uh, in the spiritual. He says, If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If what you and I perceive to be light or truth or correct is, in fact, a counterfeit, it is, in fact, an angel of light, it is, in fact, not Jesus Christ, but an impersonator of Jesus Christ, uh, an antichrist spirit, a false Jesus, if we are embracing these things to be true when they're not true, but we welcome them in, treat them as truth, uh, take their counsel and advice and follow their leading, we are truly going to be in darkness. And yet we may not perceive that darkness until that great day when all truth is revealed. Everything is going to be revealed. Um, and then he goes on to say in 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. So the enemy is really working to set up a dichotomy. He's really working to set up a, a battle, a debate, a war, a conflict inside of us that that uh, pulls us with the enemy's fear. He uses fear. He uses uh, the, the um, solution to the fear, of course, is for you to take control of yourself, do it yourself, don't trust anybody else, take care of yourself, um, be a loner. So you've got, on the one side, you've got red, uh, the fear, the isolation, the loneliness, and the solution to that that the devil is giving us is to take matters into our own hands and do it ourselves, which is basically witchcraft. So you have a torture rack right there of, I can't trust anybody, I'm alone, and then it's up to me to take care of myself. And so this is where the enemy wants us to be. He wants to wear us out, create anxiety and, and, and a difficulty, and put all the problems that he throws into your life on you, like you have to solve them all. Because, of course, we're built to want to figure things out, right, and fix things. And that becomes a detriment to us because we aren't used to allowing, resting, peace, letting God um, lead us by his Holy Spirit. We're just, and this is because we're so antsy and anxious that we've got to do it all. We actually, some people actually even make their immune system responsible for their safety. Your immune system was given to you by God to protect and defend inside of you those good things and protect you from alien invasions of germs and and, uh, whatever. So your immune system was created to preserve that which is good and destroy that which is bad. However, your immune system, as part of your physical body, was not 
created to protect you from spiritual attacks or from sexual abuse or from uh, anything like that. And so and it, when people are so heightened in their awarenesses or hypervigilant, which most people, when you're growing up in a very dangerous home, uh, you're, you're, you're listening, you're watching, you're knowing, you can hear the footsteps coming up the sidewalk or the, your parent coming through the door, and you can be in a room four rooms away or two floors away, and you, you know what's going on because you are that hyper aware of what is going on. And so your, uh, your body has been made responsible to protect you from what you perceive to be dangerous. This is very exhausting, of course, and because your body isn't built to do that, we, become, we develop all kinds of anxieties, paranoias, uh, voices that we hear in our head, and even things like multiple chemical sensitivities because now the smell of a perfume becomes a trigger. It becomes dangerous. Or the, you know, the taste of a, of a pineapple. Now you're allergic to pineapple or something. And so all of these things, because in your desperate effort to be totally in control, totally aware of what's going on, you actually are being taken out and destroyed because if there's no rest, there's no peace. So our experiences, all the devil has to do, I mean, to psychologically recondition us, is cause us to have one bad experience. And then you figure that, you okay, okay, oh, last time I, I ate strawberries. And you know what happened? I broke out into this rash all over my body. I'm sure it was the strawberries because I didn't have anything else different to eat that day. And so the devil's not convincing you that you can't eat strawberries and you're going to get a rash. Well, it was probably just a symptomizing. That's a word I made up, but it's a true word. It's a good word. Symptomizing your body to be conditioned to believe, traumatized to believe, uh, negatively reinforced to believe that it is the strawberry that is the culprit or it is the smell of the perfume that is the culprit or it is the sin I committed that is the culprit. And so therefore, I am now learning that I won't eat strawberries anymore because I don't like that nasty reaction um, or I'm going to try to be hard, good because I don't like that nasty uh, after effect of guilt and condemnation. So we're being conditioned and trained and programmed just like you would program train your dog or program a rat to do various different things than a rat is normally created to do but by what through your experiences and we always we just embrace them sacred as sacred and i can't you know it's it's my experience um it's reality it really happened well yeah it really did happen but what the point purpose and who was behind it was it to bring you to trauma and destruction? Is, God, is, that God's, is that God's plan for our lives? So as we put our experiences in that place of, of uh, wisdom and as our idol, we are actually not trusting God. We're leading to our own understanding. So they become, our experiences become sacred, and we don't want to let go of them because that's all we have. That's all we know or we think we know because that is what really happened. And so um, in reality... You know, if you look at it, is is reality a good a good measure? Uh, is common sense is is the the information you read out of your textbook? Uh, is the spin and respinning of story the stories of history? Are these the great definers of truth? They they warp and they wane and they wax and they move and they they change and they alter with the fads with the, the phase of the moon practically. So there is nothing about very stable. And yet the Lord is stable. He is, he, he is one God. He does not change. His mercy endures forever. His word will not uh, return to him void. And he cannot lie. 
Now, a lot of people say, well, yeah, I know, but there's a lot of stuff in that Bible that I don't get. I mean, it just goes over my head. I, I, it, and besides, it's contradictory. It, it doesn't even make sense. Like, uh, well, one of them I can think of right now that looks and sounds contradictory is um, where Jesus said in the parable, many are called, but few are chosen. Well, how does that work, you know? Or how does it work that the last should be first and the first should be last? And how does it work that, um, uh, you know, you know, you you're gonna that, that um, I've got to go the second mile and turn my other turn the other cheek and on the one side and on the other side he says don't even eat with them and shake the dust off and how does all this stuff work? Well, it's a simply a mystery, a paradox, but it really is just as simple as a penny. You have a heads and a tails. You need both to make the penny. You need the opposites to make the penny, the completion of the truth. And so God wants us to understand that He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He will make all things come work together for good, and he will bring them all together to bring us to freedom and liberty because he can. He will. He wants to. So, question. Is truth a topic that is up for discussion? You know, there, there are many churches these days, they're called emergent churches, that are bringing this topic. Well, what do you think truth is? Well, your truth is not my truth, but, you know, we'll agree to disagree and we'll coexist unless, of course, your truth is Jesus Christ. Then we can't have anything to do with you and we will not tolerate you. Otherwise, we will tolerate you because we just want to get along because we want unity and we want peace. What kind of a unity and peace is it when we're all united in believing the lie? How helpful is that? You know, and yet people today, oh, I just don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to make waves. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's going on. But if you just take, a, just take your fingernail and just scratch the surface of what you think is real and is going on, you get a, just a, a microcosm of depth to this thing, you'll see that it is inwardly full of dead men's bones. This whole conspiracy, the history, the rewriting of history, the respinning of the story, and the discounting of the Word of God in its validity. God cannot lie. Here's the way I look at it. You know, there's a lot of translations out there and, and some and then some of them are just you know they got a lot of commentary in it and a lot of that commentary is there to uh, promote the particular slant of the commentator you know whether you've got the Calvinists uh, you've got the Reformed you've got the Evangel or the Pentecostal or you've got the Catholic they're all there to put the emphasis on the verses the words and put them together in such a way as to endorse their particular doctrine or denomination. Um, I appreciate people who look at the Greek and the Hebrew and, and show us what that looks like, what that means. But I really like the Holy Spirit to put it together for us. And so it, here's the way I look at it. If there's a lie in the Bible, if there's one lie, then I don't know which lie it is. It could be anything. It could be any of the verses. So that just basically cancels out the value of all the verses. If there's one lie, then they're all a lie. Does that make sense to you? And if, But if there's one thing you don't like in the Bible, you know, I mean, because you don't believe in uh, heaven, you don't believe in hell, you don't believe in um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't believe in healing, you don't believe that Jesus uh, really died on the cross, he just expired, they revived him, and, and he went to live in India somewhere. Can you believe people believe that? That's I just read that the other week. Uh, it's uh, so sad and crazy out there, it's like almost beyond shocking anymore. But, so, you have to make a decision. Either God's a liar or he's not. 
Either God is who he says he is or he's not. And if you want to live with the decision that God could be a liar and that he's not telling the truth, he's trying to trick you, then what do you got? You got nothing because you're not going to be able to figure it out. You're not going to keep yourself from believing a lie because you don't even know what a lie is. It's like a blind man trying to lead himself. You, you can't, you, you, your options are to believe God or not. And if you don't like a particular doctrine, well, there's two options you can have. That I, that I think maybe there's three, but you can call me with the third one because I can't think of it. The first option would be get your scissors and cut it out. Cut, it, cut that scripture right out of the Bible. So your Bible says exactly what you want it to say. If you don't like hell, cut out all the scriptures about hell. If you don't like demons and devils, just cut out all the scriptures about demons and devils. I mean, you're going to have a really holy Bible. I can promise you that. But um, I don't think it's a Bible that's going to work to fill in the dots and, and, and connect, connect the dots and fill in the blanks and give you a solution to anything. The other thing you can do is ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he's talking about. What makes sense? Why did you say it like that? I don't get that. You know, I love that because really, the Lord really wants us to understand it. He is not in opposition to you. The devil is setting you up in opposition to yourself. If you want to read the spiritual conflict in a nutshell and the battle and, you know, I mean, it's not just one place God talks about the war, the devil, the demons, the enemies. It's not just one place. It's pretty much everywhere. But one of my favorite places is in Second Timothy. I've read you this before, talking about soldiers in chapter 2. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What does he say? You, therefore, my son, be strong in the what? The grace? You mean it's not about trying harder? to be good. And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Oh, what does that mean? Well, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there's going to be hardship. You're going to have the grace to endure it. Um, You're going to be strong in that grace. You're not going to waver from the truth. You're not going to try to figure it out. It's not going to have to all be the way you think it should be. But you are going to know that God is good. Ultimately, he's the righteous judge, and all things are going to work together for good. He is going to justly and righteously divide the situation and bring all the criminals to judgment. All the crimes are going to be uh, brought to justice. So you go on to the rest, the end of that chapter, he says, and the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. But be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition to themselves, the old King James. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Okay, so if there's no conspiracy, what in the world is God talking about here? If there's no devil, no conspiracy, um, no Captive, captivity, uh, nothing to escape, no snares, um, no repentance, no battle. What, what in the world can you put a can you put a different spin on that for me so that I can maybe see what I'm missing here? It's pretty straightforward. I don't think the Bible is as hard to understand as the devil wants you to think it is. So, when we're looking at truth, do you really want truth, or do you, do, you, do you just want your rendition of the truth? Do you just want your nice little put together life safe and simple in your package just the way you like it. Is that what you want? Is that going to get you where you want to go? Where, are, where did you come from? And where are you going? Uh, this is transitory. This little ple- pay- place down here is temporary. And, um, yeah, 
<laughs> I heard uh, the other day someone was telling me, and I, uh, they said, yeah, they heard that um, when Ant- Anton LaVey, who is one of the high priests of Satan, um, one of the most powerful ex- uh, uh, witches, practicing witches in the world, when he died, as he was dying and the observers were standing around his bed, he started screaming out in horror or there was this horrible look uh, on his face and he said to those listening, he said, something's not right here. Is this the first time you figured that out? There's something not right here? What do you suppose? All his life, he believed a lie. Now, I, I'm not going to judge him. I don't need to judge him. You and I are not the judge. God says, you make mistakes. You judge by appearance. You draw, draw wrong conclusions. We do that all the time. You thought it was this and it wasn't that. It, you thought it was going to be a good car and it turned out to be a lemon. You looked, you tried to figure it out through your your own um, reasoning and it just spit you in the, and bit you in the face. So, but back to the beginning and in the real ultimate spiritual forever realities of all of this stuff, of this stuff. Um, I don't think we realize, or maybe we don't want to realize, what the depth of this war is or how bad a shape we're in. But until we get that we are not going to really become very effective for God. And you're pretty much going to be a victim and a casualty in this war. Instead of doing what Jesus said, Jesus said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. You will tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven them. Whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. Well, this is a whole lot of power and instruction for people who aren't going to do anything. Wouldn't you think? What are you doing out there? Playing church? Going to your nice church club? Aren't you kind of sick of that? It's not working. It's not healing. It's not helping. It's not preaching the, the right gospel. It's a mixed-up mess. You're mixing Scripture. Well, you're not doing it. You're just actually participating in the devil's work. He's recreated the churches according to what we think they should be and what we want them to be and how we want them to feel. And he's mixing in Scripture and, and biblical stories and passages and preaching them from pulpits, and we're believing that this is God. You know, the first time I kind of got... A, a wind of this. I was in a, a service that was in a congregational church uh, many years ago, and it was a Good Friday service, I think it was. So everybody, all kinds of church people from different churches were all there. And so we've always all come into unity for that one day, and we're going to play together nice on the playground and share the ball and be good. And, and because Jesus just died on the cross, and we want to get all the full effect of, of his love and blah, blah, blah. So I'm looking around this building, and I'm not paying attention to what the service is really. I'm looking at the the tap the, the tapestries and the trappings and the banners and the and the pews and the and the um just all the the the, the ritual stuff, the candles and the this and that. And now, now that congregational church is not that decked out. I mean, you can go to a Catholic church and get way more decked out than that. But when you look at all that stuff, you say, now where in the world? How does this? look like the book of acts how how what is this what is why are those why are those things hanging over the pulpit why are they green and why do they have thread on them and why is there an embossed cross on it what what is this how did we get from the book of acts to this 
And that was many years ago. You look at it now, it's, you can't, you, a lot of people can't discern it. And because the Holy Spirit, by the way, did give us a gift called discerning of spirits. What do you suppose that's for? What do you suppose that's for? That radar is spiritual Holy Ghost radar to determine, detect the counterfeiting the, um, the, uh, of, the, of the enemy. The lookalikes to discern. Jesus said, however, and I mean, actually, Paul wrote it in Second Thessalonians. If we refuse the love of the truth, and I'll read that to you. By the way, that's one of the signs of the end of the uh, by Thessalonians chapter two. The Second Thessalonians chapter two talks about the end of the world. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. They were being deceived into believing back then that Jesus Christ had already come, the end was already there, and yet it didn't quite make sense. And they said, well, this letter's from Paul. Paul says, I didn't write that letter. There's no such thing coming from me. But there were enough people out there who were being confused that he had to write about it. Let no one deceive you by any means. So he's talking, okay, and I'm going to say that to you. Let no one deceive you by any means. Jesus said that one of the signs of the end when they said, well, when's, what's the sign of the end and what will we know, how will we know the end of the age and of, you know, you're coming back and blah, blah. He said the first thing out of his mouth is do not be deceived. Here, Paul is saying this thing, do not be deceived. No one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin be revealed, be revealed, the son of perdition. The man of sin must be revealed. There has to be a falling away. Falling away from what? Well, the apostasy means a falling away from the truth. There's a falling away. Are we in that? Do you think we're not in that? Do you re- In your spirit, what do you know? Don't go with what your mind thinks and how you're debating and, divi- and doubting and dividing and taking a, a public opinion poll and seeing what Gallup has to say. What do you know? You know that this church business is not producing the fruit that Jesus said it was to produce. Not in this country anyway. We may have that real church going on in China where people are being persecuted or in other countries. But I'm going to tell you something. Over here, we're playing church for the most part. And that's not okay because it's corrupting people. It's, it's lulling them to sleep. It's not bringing us into reality. It's not waking up. You, you think somebody, your house is burning down. And somebody walks by, and they know you're sleeping in the house, and they don't want to be so rude as to wake you up. Uh, so they just walk by, let the house burn down. Is that doing you a favor? Because they didn't want to come in and alarm you or alert you or wake you up. I want to stir you up. You have got one life to live, and don't you want to live it in the truth? Do you want to stand before God someday and he says, oh, you really missed it? You bought into all the lies, the arguments of the devil, the counterfeits. You didn't even believe I loved you. You didn't even believe that the devil was real. Let me start at square one with you. Now, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're going to get in. But I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have to go to school for a long time, probably. Unless, of course, it all comes instantly, which I don't know how God does it up there. But uh, he says, the son of perdition is going to come. The falling away is going to come first. And he opposes him. Uh, and he calls himself God and is worshipped as God so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. So the whole agenda for the Lucifer is the same agenda he's always had. I will be as God. I will sit on the sides of the north. I will, I will, I will. I will be worshipped. 
All he wants is to be God. That's it. No big deal. But the way he's going to get his, um, the way he's going to try to get his uh, goal accomplished is to make you to believe that you are God's, that you can be God's. If you just do what he says, eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, buy into his life, whatever and however you want to believe that, whether it's worshiping Satan, giving him blood sacrifices, or going to church on Sunday, it's really not much different. The opposite ends of the same lie. But he's going to tell us that we can be God's, you know. Or you've got, you've got a lot of New Age people out there. They just want to be God's. They just want to be their own God, you know. I'm ascending the ascended masters. I'm self-actualizing. I'm becoming my own God, blah, 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 blah. Now, let me tell you something. The devil was trying to sell Eve the fruit of the tree by saying it will make you as God. Okay? So she must have believed. She wasn't made in the image of God. She was still missing something. If you and I are made in the image of God, we're called the sons and daughters of God, we're saved and adopted into his family, doesn't that make us of the family of God? If, if God's last name is God and we're sons and daughters of God, then our last name is God as well. That doesn't mean, don't freak out on me, all you people. That does not mean I am God. I am not God. I'm in desperate need of God, his grace, his spirit. But his spirit does live in me. And we are going to participate with him, not only in the fellowship of his resurrection and his suffering, but also in his inheritance, in, in eternity, with him, fellowshipping, participating. You know, I don't, I don't see anything better than that. I mean, if, I, if I'm my own God and I've declared I'm my God, well, how am I a better God than you if you're declaring you're God? There's no end to all that, and there's no uh, verification of it. However, if I've got the word of the Creator that I am made in the image of God, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. Um, what, what, do you what do you guys want? What do you really want? What more could God give us than he hasn't already given us? He's given us his life. He's given us eternal life. He's given us a higher destiny and position than um, the devil had, or Lucifer, and he was the highest created being. But he was never made in the image of God. So I'm totally happy with being a friend of God, following him, being his servant, hanging out with him, and letting him live his life through me. So I am an extension of God, my hands, my feet, my willingness. But going on to Thessalonians, we're not done yet. All right, so do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? That Satan was going to come you know, boast that he's God. Do you know he's coming again? Do you know we, with, we could literally be within two or three years, a few years of the very end of this age? We could easily, easily. And if you pay any attention to those people who are watching on the wall and screaming their lungs out to try to tell you what's gone down and what's happening and how it's all connecting, and you just put your hands over your ears and go to work and eat your junk food, and come home, and guys, are you happy doing that? Seriously? Or are you not sinking into some place that you don't think you're going to be able to get out of? He says, do you not remember that? When, am I scolding you? I'm just encouraging you. Get up. Wake up. The house is burning. Let's go. Can't you hear the siren? All right. He says, when I was first with you, Paul is getting a little adamant here. He is like, come on, guys. Come on, guys, this is important. 
Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know, not think and feel and hope, you know is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. What does that mean? That means that there's something holding this mess together, which should have blown up 100 years ago, something restraining until this son of perdition may be revealed, until the time is ripe, until he's, you know, it's ready to go. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's, it's, it's been working since Cain and Abel. It got a good, it got shut down a little bit during the flood when all the transhumans and the crossing of kinds and the chimera and the giants and stuff were pretty much removed, washed away, killed. But it got going again 180 years later. By that time, they'd already built the Tower of Babel, which meant they were in complete rebellion against God. And they wanted to build this tower to be safe so that if God ever got mad and started doing another flood, they could run into the tower. And by the way, that thing was quite high. I think it was like over two miles high or three. I mean, I don't know any floods that have covered the earth to two or three miles, actually, on the earth. But anyway, um, I'm sure you could check out and do all the math and figure it all out. But anyway, so this mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, and that he is the capital he, who now restrains will do so until he, capital he, capital H-E, is taken out of the way. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of His grace, God, the in-control God, the righteous God, the one true God who created heaven and earth, He is in control, and He is restraining through the power of His Holy Spirit, through His church, until He is taken out of the way. When He is taken out of the way, I hope we go with Him, because if we don't go with Him, that's going to be a pretty terrible day anyway so when we're taken out of the way he's he's snatched up we're called home um and this is his time his tour of duty is over um it says and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming now i don't believe god's going to destroy him in the first 20 seconds he's revealed i believe the dude the dude this antichrist is going to carry on for like three and a half years at least and it's going to be a terrible, absolute, horrible time. I don't think any of you want to be there for that. I don't want to be there for that. We might be there for some of that. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm just saying that that lawlessness is going to become apparent. However, it's not going to become apparent to those who have the light in them. That is darkness. They're going to think it is the most wonderful thing in the world. The world is finally reaching its apex of oneness and community and goodness and unity, and global this, and, and wonderful that. But I'm going to tell you something. Right now, even the, the people in the church who do not understand the agenda are being used by the very enemy that they say they hate to pull together a one-world church, a one-world, one-world, for the Antichrist to rule. And by the way, the Antichrist is an Antichrist. He's a, a religious figure. That would mean that part of his agenda is to get the church, the believers, the followers, even of Jesus Christ, to follow him. Now, we're not done with We're still reading in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, um, the mystery is already at work. All right. The Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the way. And the enemy will be destroyed with the, with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one. He's going back to kind of like uh, tell you more. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers 
power, signs, and lying wonders. So everything that Jesus did, the devil is going to work to counterfeit. Whether it's a miracle, you know, Jesus has miracles, the devil has magic. But nonetheless, we prefer magic because it's fun and because it's all about us being able to control things and do things the way we want to do them and tell the story with the way we want the story to be told and not have to submit to anyone. So he's going to come with power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because, here's the point, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So people, if you have rejected the truth of Jesus Christ or reworked it according to your own personal preferences, and become deceived, you will not even know it. It's like you become so desensitized, Quitty, the sin, uh, the lies, so impressed with the light shows, the entertainment. By the way, did you guys see the halftime in the uh, um, the big football game? What's that? Big, what's the game called? Super Bowl. Oh yeah, Super Bowl. I mean, you can tell how much I watch these things. A big game, right? A big game that's billions and billions and billions of people watching and makes billions and zillions of dollars. Whatever. Halftime. Did you see the halftime? I didn't watch the game, but I did watch the halftime because I wanted to see what the enemy was telling us he's up to because they always do that. I think there's a website you can actually go to that talks about that, and I'm not going to get deeply into that. But all I want you to remember is if you saw it, you saw this big monstrous beast. It looked like sort of a bronze or gold kind of lion, uh, mechanical lion that Katy Perry was riding in on. And this beast is a symbol of the exact things that are being talked about in the book of Revelation. So I wonder why they had that as a halftime. Do you? That was good entertainment, wasn't it? I mean, we really like that. Oh, and the lights and the and the, the all the symbols and the implications. And we just go, yeah, that was good. Wasn't that great? Or I didn't get that. I didn't see nothing wrong with that. We're just so gullible. And and if it wouldn't be for the grace of God, I mean, I don't know if we'd see any of it, but the Holy Spirit's very faithful. But if you've already decided that you just want to be deceived, God's going to say, okay, my hands are tied. I will have to send a strong delusion that you believe a lie because that's the deal. The deal is the rule. The rule between God and Satan is this, whom you yield yourself servant to obey his slave you become. Jesus said it this way. If you commit sin, you become the slave of sin. If you believe the lie, you want the lie. You, You vote for the lie. You opt for the devil's agenda, plan, and deception, then God is obligated to let you have it because you have technically a free will. You have a free will that Satan is going to get you to use against yourself to destroy you. He can't just kill you. He wishes he could because he's already done it then. But you have to cooperate, and the way you cooperate is by believing lies and just sleeping your life away. Okay. So it says, um, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You say, well, wow, that doesn't make sense. Look at God. He's playing both sides. He's being good, and then he's trying to destroy us with deception. You don't understand. Well, God does not right now get everything he wants. What does he want? He wants righteousness, peace, and joy. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to know his love. And yet, because we choose the things that please the devil, God is obligated to let the devil have what he has illegally gotten. Because we cast the the vote that decides and determines who's going to get to train us and teach us and have us. 
And so many of us, we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Although we're saved, we're not really very sanctified. And you say, well, you know, that's God's job. Yes, it is God's job, but he has, he is obligated. You must choose, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Um, let's take a break for a minute and give you a chance to call in 347-215-8051. You dial that up while we listen to this. Okay, so now I'm saved. I'm not living like I used to, but I find myself still sinning. So now I am a saved sinner, right? But how much can I sin and still be saved? Maybe I've really blown it and lost my salvation, or maybe I really didn't get saved at all because the more I try to be good, the worse I seem to get. And if I can't be good at being good, maybe I should just forget this whole thing and go back to being good at being bad. All this being saved and living to please God stuff just isn't working for me. Many believers are caught in these age-old struggles. Marjorie Cole has prepared a must-hear CD entitled, If I'm Saved, Why Do I Still Sin? This timely CD takes a clear and close look at the meaning of forgiveness and the futility of trying to be good in order to be saved. Marjorie helps you discover truth from God's Word that will give you the power and freedom to live without the frustration, discouragement, and self-condemnation you may have been going through. To order your copy of If I'm Saved, Why Do I Still Sin?, go to liferecovery.com. Again, go to liferecovery.com. Amen. Yes, I hear we have a caller. Who's, who am I talking to? My name is Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Okay, what's your question? Um, or Go ahead. My question is, how do you get over um, SRA, satanic sexual abuse? I am a Christian, oh. no, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you get over the effects of it? That's a very deep and good question. Satanic ritualistic abuse, which means basically you have been programmed from probably a very, very early age and probably coming down your generational bloodline with a whole agenda of demonic occultic programming. And how do you get over it? You don't, that's, I know what you're asking, how do I? But really, the question is, what is the truth that Jesus wants you to know? And that truth has got to be applied to many levels and layers of your life. I have worked with these people. They're very precious people. Most of them get pulled into this when their children are born into this. Were you born into it, or don't you want to say? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so you don't know anything else. Just it's, it's just kind of like other people were born into a various other kind of church. You were just born into a satanic, ritual, occult church. Now, the fact is that you're alive but is is a miracle of God. And the fact, however, is that you were conditioned with a lot of trauma. The first traumas they set you up to uh, to deal with are to believe that Jesus Christ is weak and he is not really there for you. Because I'm imagining, as they often do, they will lead these children to uh, some sort of a, a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then they will the demons will come and torture you to the point where you will give give over or uh, agreement to the demon. And then when you give the agreement to the demon, he will stop torturing you. And Jesus was not then your helper. It was the enemy, Satan, who became your savior. Is that correct? Something like that? Yeah. I, I have a very difficult time, um, like, reading the Bible for more than a few minutes at a time. Um, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. pray for more than a few minutes at a time, mm-hmm. um, stuff well, like that. And I really want to be able to to sure. develop a, a more stronger relationship with God. 
Well, if you're in my area, which is Minneapolis area, I'd love to have you. I will be April 1st. Oh, good. Why don't you call my office, 763? Uh, I'm not going to stop talking to you right now, but I'm going to give you my office number, and you can set up an appointment. I'd love to speak with you. It's 763-785-4234, or at the end of the show, if you want to just check in, you can call me back, and we'll get your number, and da-da-da. But anyway, okay, so this is it is not as uncommon as people might think, you know, because of the bizarre things that are being done. Now, when you're having a problem reading the Bible or retaining what you're reading, uh, and it's very, what happens? You get, do you get groggy, drowsy, distracted? Uh, do you hurt? All what of happens? the above. All yeah. of the above. Everything. Yeah. Because the devil. Sometimes it's different. Yeah. But you get sleepy or it, it, it's snatched away from you or, or you're in pain. These are the first levels of lies. So I'm going to ask Jesus Christ because he loves you and I'm going to bind the strong man that uses any part of your name. And I'm not going to ask you to give me your whole name over the the show. That's fine because Jesus knows what it is. So I bind the strong man that is afflicting and affecting Jennifer in her reading of the Bible. That's I, I believe, is he putting pain in your eyes? Yes. Okay, I bind that spirit that puts pain in Jennifer's eyes, the one that would snatch the word, that would make it difficult for her, that would make her uh, feel, feel very uncomfortable in reading the Bible. I command you to shrink to your proper size in the presence of the Most High God, for you are trespassing on the temple property of the Most High God. I command you now in the name of Jesus Christ to go to the exit door of Jennifer's life, and I command you to take your programming with you, all your entourage, every demon uh, programmed into Jennifer's life at the level of I can't read the Bible, I can't go to church, I can't, uh, I don't feel comfortable in the presence of God or whatever. I command all of you to go to the exit door of Jennifer's life in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Jennifer, I have not thrown them out yet. I've not cast them out because we don't want to cast them out until you know what we're doing and you can come into agreement with it. So, now Jesus said, "My sheep know my voice." Does Jesus Christ know what you've been through? Yes. Does Jesus Christ love you? Did Jesus Christ, the Son of God, die on the cross for your sins? Yes. Okay. And did he raise from the dead? Yes. And he saved you? Yes. So you belong to him? Mm-hmm. So the devil is like a rat in your house. Your house is owned by the king of kings. But the rat still runs around in various places in the house trying to control various places in the house. And so I command that that spirit that, that tries to control you in every level of your life to bring fear and terror to be bound in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, what do you want to do for Jennifer? Is he with you right now? Yes. And Jesus... You said, my sheep know my voice. What do you want to do for Jennifer right now? And I bind every spirit that would block the revelation of Jesus Christ to your understanding, to your heart, to your mind, to your body right now. What does Jesus Christ want to do for you? Set me free. Okay. Let me ask you a question, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, Jesus says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, correct? Yes. So if Jesus Christ already says you're free, then why would he say he wants to set you free? I don't know. So, so who said that? Was that Jesus Christ 
Or was that an impersonator of Jesus Christ who said, he wants to set me free? Because if he wants to set me free, that implies I am not yet free, correct? I don't feel free. Correct. You do not feel free. Uh, You don't feel free because in your soul, all of the demons are still working to symptomize you, to convince you that you don't feel free. Your soul is not the same as your spirit. In your spirit, what do you know? Does Jesus Christ tell lies? No. He set you free 2,000 years ago on the cross, did he not? Yes. However, the devil is obstructing that the revelation of that freedom by getting you to believe Jesus wants to set me free. Now, if you believe that Jesus wants to set you free and you've got to do all this stuff to be set free, like read your Bible and da-da-da-da-da, you're going to just wear yourself out, correct? Mm-hmm. So how long have you been a Christian and wearing yourself out like this? Just a couple of years. Okay. Well, that's not what Jesus wants. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Whose problem is your deliverance, yours or his? His. That's right. So he's in charge of delivering you, and his Holy Spirit's living inside of you. And the devil knows that if you know that, then the devil is going to be in trouble to try to continue to control you because he controls you through the fear and through the future promise that Jesus will. But Jesus already has, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. He has set us free, he is setting us free, and he will set us free because it's all in the now. Paul says there's now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In your flesh, in your soul, you can still be tormented to think and feel certain things. And you, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the experience, you experience the pain, you experience the, the whatever, and you, it's like, okay, I'm still not healed because I still got the pain in my elbow. You know, I prayed for pain, for my healing, and, and it still hurts. my. You, you don't think of it like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am healed. Pain in my elbow? Get out. Get out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against you with the blood of the Lamb and the sword of God's word. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Okay. Now, it's not really, I mean, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all truth. So, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, this spirit that's impersonating you to Jennifer, I ask you to let the light of your truth show her, make manifest the counterfeit, the one who's impersonating you, the one who's pretending that he's going to help her, the one that she has been introduced to as you that was not you in the beginning. Take her back, Lord, to the original place where the devil set up the counterfeit lookalike of you in her life, the very first place. And what's he showing you? I bind every spirit that would block that in the name of the Holy One of Israel. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is going to take you back to the place where the devil first set up the false Jesus in your life. Do you remember that place? No, not really. All right, so I I bind every spirit that would block and obscure the revelation of that truth. There was a place in your life. Do you remember the very first? I remember a lot of my childhood. I sure, I know that. I know that. That's the way the devil holds you guys hostages by blocking all that stuff. I get that. Um, so, but Jesus calls himself the faithful witness. He was there when this counterfeit Jesus, you were introduced to the counterfeit Jesus. Is that not true? Son of God, is that not true? What does he say? What do you know, Jennifer? Jesus I Christ, I guess. Well, I guess is from heaven or hell. Does Jesus guess or does he know? The Son of God. Does he guess? No, things? he knows. All right. So he knows everything about you. He knows how they tricked you in the beginning 
as a little child. You do you remember the first part of whatever it was that you first remembered about Jesus being introduced to Jesus, the son of uh, the, the, the Jesus of the Bible. That's probably how they presented it to you. Do you remember anything like that? How did you first hear about Jesus, Jesus Christ? Where did somebody talk um, to you? Did, well, I learned about my parents taught me about all the different religions and the different beliefs and how they were all wrong. Oh, okay. So you were and taught that Jesus, even parts and even parts of the Bible on how um, God was evil because He made Abraham sacrifice his son and mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. Can I explain that story to you? It's a very interesting story. If you go into the book of Joshua, I believe it's the book of Joshua, which is not in the Bible. It's one of the extra biblical books uh, written by the book of, by, written by Joshua. The story is goes this way, and I'll give you the brief version because I want to get to you. But Satan is the one who set that whole deal up in the first place by going to God. He was jealous of Isaac and God's promise and Abra- to Abraham and fulfilling that promise. So Satan went to God and he said, God, he said, you see, since your Abraham has gotten his son Isaac, he doesn't even talk to you anymore. You weren't even invited to his birthday party. See, when Isaac was weaned, they had this big party and everybody came. So Satan went to God and he rubbed it in his face. And then Satan said to God, tell Abraham to kill Isaac. Because see, a- God, Satan wanted to prove to God that Abraham was not his faithful servant that God's workmanship in Abraham wasn't any good. So Satan set up the contest, and God said, very well. He said, so he told Abraham to go kill Isaac. But he also put it in Abraham's heart to believe that this was a test of obedience and that God was going to prepare or send a sacrifice, a substitute, a sheep or a ram or something. So when Abraham took Isaac up to the mountain, and I won't go into the details, but it's a very interesting story how Satan tried to stop the whole thing to make it so Abraham actually wouldn't carry out the, the obedience to God and, and then make it look like Abraham didn't obey God so that, so that Satan was actually correct about Abraham's disobedience and poor uh, uh, loyalties to God. So Abraham got up to the top of the mountain and Satan, called, he was called Mastema. Mastema hid the Being sacrifice. Devil. Yeah, that's devil. another name for yeah, mm-hmm. that means devil. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, well, see, a lot of people don't know that Mastema is another name for the devil. So, see, but anyway, in the book of Joshua, it says Mastema went and hid the ram in the thicket so that Abraham didn't see it because Isaac and Abraham were on the way up the mountain. Isaac said, Dad, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will prepare a sacrifice or he will provide provide a sacrifice. So they got all the way up there, and it didn't look like nothing was happening. Abraham was going to have to go, go through with this thing. So he raised the knife, and as he was willing to trust God to that point, whether he, got, he thought maybe God was going to resurrect his son or God was going to stop him or whatever, the angel of mercy, God's mercy, stopped his hand. And when the angel of mercy stopped his hand, he showed Abraham the ram that was in the thicket, right kind of not too far away. So at that point, Abraham knew that that ram was the one that he was, that was what he was supposed to sacrifice, and this was a test. But it wasn't a test for Abraham to see what was in his heart, and God already knew what was in his heart. This was a test that, that Satan called for, Mastema called for, because he wanted to prove that God is evil. So then people like your parents come by and they say, look, God is evil. God is nuts. He is insane. Do you know, they also say that about the flood. God was insane because he killed all those people. So those people weren't even humans. 
those people were transhumans crossed. There was only one guy left with good DNA, and that was Noah. It says all, he was the only one left righteous in his generations. God let it go to the point where there was only one good strand of DNA left. And if that would have got lost, then Jesus Christ could never have been born. So that was one of Satan's attempts to destroy the human race. Abraham was another one um, because he wanted to foil God's plan for redemption. So going back to your parents, so they tell you that it's a bunch of lies. And you believe your parents, right? Yes. Okay, so then there is no Jesus that's going to help me because he is a liar. You cannot trust him, right? Yeah, that's what we've done. Pardon me? That's what I believed then, yes. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Well, and it, it worked for a while. And you you hated God, I would imagine, or you were taught to hate God or uh, take another route, which is basically worshiping Satan and doing all that stuff to get power. But really, Satan is in control of all that. He is taking our power and making his own power so he has more power. He comes. We, if we come into agreement with him, then... The spiritual warfare says agreement equals authority. So if we come into agreement with him, we have to give him our authority, just like Eve and Adam did. So so Jesus is a bad guy. Now, when did you come to believe Jesus is not a bad guy? A couple of years ago. Okay. So Jesus Christ revealed himself to you. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And you knew that that was the truth created you in the beginning, Jennifer, in his image, to resonate with his truth, to, re- to recognize him. To, it's just like, how, you know, we recognize the voices of our parents or various, you know, because we, rec- we're, we learned that. And this is kind of imprinted on us. It's, it's his image is imprinted in us that we can recognize and resonate with the truth. So he came to you, revealed himself to you, and now he wants to get rid of the false Jesuses in there that are making confusion in your heart, that are creating this pain. Is that not true? Yeah. Okay. So, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. I thank you. I thank you. For making me in your image. For making me in your image. And for bringing me forth. And bringing me forth. According to your will and truth. According to your will and truth. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for saving my soul. And revealing your great love to me. And revealing your great love to me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. For listening to the lies of the devil. For listening to the lies of the devil. You know my heart. You know my heart. And you are faithful. And you are faithful. Because you brought me out of this darkness. Because you brought me out of this darkness. And now I come before you. And now I come before you. To cancel out every agreement I have made. Oh, God, it's so good. I I know you don't, sweetheart. I bind the powers of darkness. Let her alone. You will not fear with her. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get out of her. Shut up. Be quiet. You will not give her a stomach ache or a headache. You'll not claw on her. Nothing. You're small, smooth, and slippery in the name of Jesus Christ. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. I declare. 
I declare you are the one true God. That you are the one true God. And I cancel out. And I cancel out. Every agreement. Every agreement. I have made with the lie. I have made with the lie. The liars. The liars. The false Jesuses. The false Jesuses. The Antichrist spirits. The Antichrist spirits. The spirits of divination. The spirits of divination. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Error and deception. Error and deception. I cancel out every agreement. I cancel out every agreement. That I was forced into making. That I was forced into making. Under the threat of pain. Under the threat of pain. And coercion. And coercion. And intimidation. And intimidation. I also cancel out every agreement. I also cancel out every agreement. I made consciously or unconsciously. I made consciously and unconsciously. With these beings. With these beings. And I declare. And I declare. I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. Because you, Lord God. Because you, Lord God. Shed your blood on the cross for me. Shed your blood on the cross for me. And now I am in in agreement with you. And now I am in agreement with you. That these demons can no longer torment me. That these demons can no longer torment me. Or control me. Or control me. Or keep me from reading your word. From reading your word. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. For your grace and your healing. For your grace and your healing. In my soul. In my soul. In my body. In my body. In my mind. In my mind. My will. My will. My heart. My heart. In my future. In my future. And in my life right now. And in my life right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I agree. You said if two or three agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done. I command every false Jesus, Antichrist spirit, all of you counterfeiters of Jesus Christ, shrink to your proper size and make your way to the exit door of Jennifer's life right now in the name of the Holy One of Israel. I command that the light of God's truth and the power of his presence send you to where he wants to send you. Let the sword of his word separate his daughter from you. Forget for You know that same word, the sword of God, is able to separate, even to the dividing of bone and marrow, thought and intention, soul and spirit. You cannot hide in any part of her body or the spaces be- between her cells, in her DNA, her frequencies, her organs, tissues, operations, functions, equations, nothing. Go to the door. Now, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, where do you want to send these liars and thieves that have tormented Jennifer? What does he say? Do you agree, Jennifer? Yes. Then we command that the will of the Lord God be done and that all of you liars and thieves go to hell. Get out. Unclean spirits, powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. All of you who have had uh, generational ancestral uh, dominion over her in the name of Jesus Christ, you are removed. Go to the pit. You're not coming back. Pack your bags, take your lies, your words, your filth, your garbage, your damages, your strongholds, your mindsets, your belief systems, your poisons, toxins, and templates. In the name of Jesus Christ, Jennifer, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I confess. I confess. 
all of the practices of idolatry. All of the practices of idolatry. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Satanism. Satanism. Human sacrifices. Human human sacrifices. The shedding of blood. The shedding of blood. To be an abomination. To be an abomination. To your heart. To your heart. And your truth. And your truth. I cancel them out. I cancel them out. And I declare. And I declare. Your righteous your righteousness. Your righteousness. And your blood. And your blood. Sets me free. Sets me free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read a scripture to you out of Isaiah chapter 49. This is a very interesting scripture. God is talking about the captivity of his people, and he says, first of all, in verse uh, 20, uh, end of verse 23, he says, They shall not be ashamed who wait for me. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the captives of the righteous be delivered? But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the and the prey of the terrible be delivered for I will contend with him who contends with you and I will save your children I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine all flesh shall know that I the Lord am your savior and your redeemer the mighty one of Jacob did you hear that yes God is going to take, has taken your precious life out of the grip of this terrible avenger, this demon, this liar. And God is going to judge them and make them eat their own flesh and blood. Does that make sense to you? Now, I know that, how are you feeling right now? What's going on? Just, my head hurts. I have that headache. Oh, sure. All right. So, Lord Jesus, Son of God, what's this thing going on in Jennifer's head? This bad headache. What is it? What let him let him show you what it is. And I command the spirit of ripping, shredding, pulling, tearing, gnawing, chewing, uh, the torture rack, the conf- conflict, the confusion, in, and and the pressure in Jennifer's head. Stop it now. You are dismissed to the pit of hell. Take your torture to the pit. Is Jesus Christ with you? Yes. Lord Jesus, Son of God, sure. What do you want to do for Jennifer's headache right now? For the pain in her head. And I command the spirit of pain to be gone. All spirits of pain. Guilt, shame, condemnation be gone. It's Jesus Christ. What's he doing for your head right now? Show her, Lord God. Give her eyes to see. Let the revelation of your truth show Jennifer what you're doing right now. Is he with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does he want your head to hurt? No. So what does Jesus Christ want to do for you? Heal it. And when, Lord Jesus, Son of God, would you like to heal Jennifer's head? Now. Then let it be done. According to your will, Lord God, according to your power, according to your, the revelation of your power, your presence with Jennifer right now, let the sword of your word remove all blades, torture, instruments of torture, uh, any kind of electrodes, any kind of bands wrapped around your head, bindings, witchcraft, tight bands around your head, let them all be snapped, cut, melted, deleted, 
with your blood. Let the programs and operating systems that Satan has used to keep Jennifer in great torture be deleted by the holy blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Most High God. Now what's happening? Nothing. Still the same? Yeah. Okay. So, Lord Jesus, what's the lie behind this pain that's in Jennifer's head? I'm sure there's many things, my dear. Many times that you were hurt and tortured in your head. Is that not true? Yes. Okay. Well, what were the, the Lord Jesus, take her back to the memory where that pain was in her head and show her your truth. Show her where you were. This is called inner healing. The deliverance is getting the devil out, but inner healing is the part where you get fixed, you get found, you get healed, you get helped, you get encouraged. You are not alone. You felt alone, terrified, and so you disassociated. Is that not true? Yeah. Yeah, you checked out, so you do a lot of disassociating, checking out, because you don't want to know. You're numbed out, and now what's happening is your your brain, your mind is starting to kind of wake up the things that were numbed out, the, the, the cell memories, the memories themselves are the enemies using those to try to frighten you. Now you are set free. You don't go back to that. But what you're, do you have people around you who pray for you? Yeah. Do you have a, a support group? Okay. Um, good. Uh, I think we're going to need this time. Obviously, we will. We do know that this thing with satanic ritualistic abuse is pretty, um, it's pretty, you know, uh, involved or something like that. But it's nothing for Jesus. It's all a bunch of, I mean, I'm not making light of what you went through. Don't get me wrong, because it's probably one of the most horrible things that can happen to a human being on the planet, especially as children. But there's tons of forgiving and there's tons of stuff that God wants to do for you. But right now, he doesn't want you to have any more nightmares. And he doesn't want you to be tormented in the night. Because, see, what the devil is trying to do is get you back through intimidation. But you just, every time the devil tries to come at you with something, you just say, Jesus, Son of God, this is your problem. Protect me. Take care of me. I belong to you. I can't do this. You don't have to be strong. You just have to cry out to Jesus Christ and let him love you. Now, Lord Jesus, you said you would never leave us or forsake us. You are the good shepherd. Show Jennifer where you are right now. Where is he? He's with me. He is. And what's he doing? Holding me. Oh, good. So is he going to drop you? No. Okay. So, Lord Jesus, this is nothing for you, but it's very, very important for Jennifer. It's very important for her to know right now, Lord Jesus, the power of your love to heal her body, to heal those memories, to heal her broken heart. Would Jesus, Son of God, would you be willing to heal her broken heart? Would he be willing to do that? Yeah. Because he says, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. So when does he want to do that? Now. Then let it be done. Father God, we pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ that you knit Jennifer back into the fullness of the revelation of your grace, your mercy, your love, and give her a hunger for your word. May she eat it up like food. It says in here, 
The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. So he wants to teach you, he says, and in verse 7 of, this is Isaiah 50, verse 7, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I, am, I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me, says God. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment, and a moth will eat them up. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Those who fear God rely upon him. Because if you and I reverence the Lord, that's the kind of fear he wants. He doesn't want us to be afraid of him. He wants us to know that he loves us. And if it would not be for God, you would not even be here right now. He kept you through all of this stuff, even though at sometimes at points you didn't know what was going on and how to get out of it. But God delivered you and is deliver you and has delivered you from all of these things. Does that make sense? That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that doesn't mean there's not little parts of you that don't yet need to be found. So Lord Jesus, you're holding Jennifer and I pray right now that you tuck her into the safety of the palm of your hand, that through this process of healing there'd be great rejoicing. I thank you that you have written her name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jennifer, all of this, even though it's been horrible, horrible and beyond words it will be worth it all because of the fact that he brought you out of it into salvation. And you have a call in your life. It is a call to uh, be a warrior for Jesus and to know all the other people out there that need this kind of deliverance. So uh, if you want to call me after this, uh, we can chit-chat a little bit more and I can give you some more advice and information and maybe we can do some more work if you'd like to do that. Would you like to do that? Okay. Okay. All right. My number, and I will give you, um, we've given you that number, 763-785-4234. And if you want to call that number and go to my website, if you've got a pencil, you can do that too. It's liferecovery.com. Is it, how did you hear about us? How did you hear about the radio show? Kathy. I know who Kathy is, I think. You Are you from over east of Minnesota? No, but I have a friend that, that is. Okay. And she introduced right. to Kathy. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, between Kathy and I, I'm sure that we'll, you know, be there for you as, as, and do what God wants us to do to help you. So you be encouraged. Do you have any other questions as we're about uh, to wrap this up? No. Good. Well, I thank you for calling in tonight. And um, I, you're very brave and you're mighty, a mighty woman of God. And I just pray that you'll be encouraged in the Word of God. There's a lot of good psalms that you can read. Read something always before you go to bed at night from the Bible. And get a chance to start reading in the Gospels. Read the Gospel of Mark. Read about Jesus. Just read about your hero, Jesus, the Son of God, and what he did. And get to, to know him. And that's and the Holy Spirit inside of you will teach you about Jesus. And then you give me a call after we get off this show. show you want to do that? Okay. All right. God bless you, sweetheart, and we'll talk to you soon. And, well, for the rest of you, we're just so, um, thank you, thank you, Jennifer, for calling. I appreciate that so much. And I know that there are others, too, that you want help and you don't know where to go and what to do to call in. And I just would encourage you 
to use this opportunity to um, ask your questions and even to do the counseling because actually that's what this whole show is really to be about is um, a call-in counseling show, if you will. And so thank you, Jennifer, and thank you all the rest of you for listening tonight. And um, if there, is there anybody else out there that wants to say hi or talk to me? Okay. Well, God bless you all. And we just want to pray for everyone. Father God, we pray tonight that your spirit, peace, and rest and revelation, that you stir us up by the power of your Holy Spirit to take action, to stand and having done all to stand, to know who we are in you, Lord God, and to walk in the fullness of your love. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.